Father, it is my prayer that tonight your joy and your hope would come and indwell every believer here. That you would gift us with faith to receive everything that you want us to be. Lord, that hope and joy would come to us through your Son and our union in Him. And that, God, as we go through these psalms, that you would teach us to think and to feel with you. That in our highest and lowest points, faith would carry us through all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So that's one of the wonders of the psalms, is that they literally encompass every conceivable emotion of humanity. As Martin Luther, in one of his more lengthy quotes that I'm going to summarize, says, essentially, that the Psalms open a window into the blessings of heaven, and within a page turn, opens a window into the judgments of God and a glimpse of hell. So you have the, the glimpses of heaven, the glimpses of hell. You have the peaks of joy and the valleys of depression. And everything in between, it's in the Psalms. It has been said that God gave Israel the five books of law, his word to them. And in the Psalms, we have the five books of Israel, their words to him. So between the law and the Psalms, we have a five book communication between God and his people. The way it should always be with us. Now we'll go back to verse or chapter 42 and we'll close with. What I want to be the main application here, and that's looking at depression and the saints fight for hope. Because in Psalm 42, clearly our psalmist is depressed. <laughs> Can a Christian be depressed? <laughs> so look at verse 3. He is crying. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. He's also downcast in verse 5. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? And also in verse 6, he says, my soul is downcast or is cast down within me. He is not at peace. The bottom, uh, the second line of verse 5 says, why are you in turmoil within me? He is overwhelmed and feels like he's drowning in verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. So that's like a feeling of being overwhelmed and like you're drowning. He feels neglected in verse 9. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He's oppressed in the bottom part of verse 9. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? His faith is challenged in verse 10. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And so all these things combined show us that this guy is in despondency and depression. He's not at the place he wants to be. And I don't envy his position at all whatsoever. So it looks to me, particularly in verse 3, that this guy is depressed. Now, depression does not always translate to a desire to kill yourself. I know we usually think of depression, we usually think of suicide. True, 
Depression does and can lead to suicide, but depression itself does not always lead to those thoughts. There are what's called normal depression and abnormal depression. Normal depression is a depression that you and I, average people, go through from time to time. Normal depression can be triggered simply with things like fatigue, stress, um, different, just like this lack of energy or lack of interest in life. That's normal depression where you just feel down for seasons. But it becomes abnormal when your depression is prolonged and nothing seems to help it. And abnormal depression can often lead to suicide, or at least thoughts and desires of suicide. It's also characterized by um, a loss of ability to enjoy simple pleasures, and rejoicing seems absolutely impossible to somebody who is abnormally depressed. So depression is quite normal to the human experience. All depression can to be defined as an absence of an absence of joy resulting from an absence of hope so it's it's this loss this lack of joy that results from a lack or loss of hope hope and joy for the christian especially are connected they go hand in hand for example, Romans 5.2 says that we rejoice, that's joy, in the hope of the glory of God. 12, 12, Romans 12.12 12 tells us to rejoice in hope. And Proverbs 10 verse 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy. So joy and hope in the Bible go together. When I have hope, I have joy. But when I lose hope and I'm no longer having that confident expectation of what God is and what he will do. And there's this sense of like, I don't even know what's out there for me or what's going to happen. It seems like it's all over. Then my joy consequently dies with it. So a loss of hope brings a loss of joy and a loss of joy is your depression. So depression is a loss of joy because of a loss of hope. Now, the degree of your hopelessness equals the severity of your depression. So often we might just waver in our hope, and it translates to that normal depression. Or you can have this complete loss of hope, and you're in severe depression. So Christians, like I said, are definitely not immune to this. It's normal. So when you get depressed... Don't begin to afflict yourself and increase your depression as a result. Oh, I'm the worst Christian ever. I'm depressed. And then you get more depressed. It's normal. Expect it. So many, many great saints in the past have struggled with it. You may struggle with it too. Just to name, uh, literally just a few. These are just names that are off the top of my head of Christians who have struggled with depression. In the Bible, you have Elijah, Job, Jonah, David, Jeremiah, then some of our um, old Christian friends. We have David Brainerd, Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, and yes, Jesus fits in that boat. As he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, My soul is weary 
even to the point of death. And I must confess, if this helps anyone, that I definitely go through my seasons of depression as well, where I just have this tremendous lack of interest in life and ministry. It's like everything doesn't matter anymore. And you just, literally, you have to choose to get up and make and pretend that something matters just to keep going. It's normal for many people. In fact, Martin Lloyd-Jones, many of you are familiar with the name. He's a great famous preacher of this century. He was a doctor before he became a preacher. So he knows a thing or two about depression, and this is what he this is what he says, Dr. Bob. There are certain people who are more prone to depression in a natural sense than others. Though we are converted and regenerated, our fundamental personality is not changed. The result is that the person who is more given to depression than the other person before conversion will still have to fight after conversion. So there's just natural tendencies or some people are naturally prone to depression. And even after conversion, if that's you, you're still going to have that natural tendency to fight. So like most feelings, the feeling of depression is not sin. If we choose to fight for hope in the midst of it. But if we let depression rule us, now you're under control of another So since depression is normal, our goal is not to avoid depression, but rather it's how to fight for hope in depression. That's the goal I see here in Psalm 42. Be completely dumb for me to say this is how to avoid it, because sometimes it's just going to happen. It's better that we learn how to fight for hope in the midst of it. So what's the cause of depression? Um, Real quick. There's four areas I see. There's the physical causes. That would be illness, fatigue, and stress. Simple things like moving, getting a new job. Like just the, it can cause depression because it brings stress. And illness can bring depression, um, fatigue. Sometimes you simply need a good night's sleep, <laughs> and you will do a lot better. There's the mental causes, which there's such a thing as biological depression, where you are just, you need medical assistance because you're biologically imbalanced with that Um, there's emotional causes such as bereavement someone dies and there's the spiritual causes which is more relatable for the christian where that's a dry season where there's the sense of god's felt presence is absent you just your drag is you don't you don't feel his presence anywhere near it's just kind of like okay i'm just going through the whatever i'm just i know i should Continue with my Bible reading, but I'm just not feeling anything right now. That has been termed spiritual depression. And since God's presence, Psalm 1611 says, God's presence fills my joy, then if I lack his felt presence, then I'm going to lack felt joy. I'm not going to feel very happy. And so the feeling of his absence is going to be very, um, it's going to make me feel down in the dumps, as a nicer way to say depression is. So that's the same feeling our psalmist has here. There may be many things at play here. Obviously, he's not in Jerusalem, so there might be some physical stress going on there. There's people taunting him. 
There's lots of causes here for his oppression, but one of the causes clearly is spiritual in the sense that he has no felt presence of God. So look at verse 2, for example. He says at the second half of verse 2, he says, When shall I come and appear before God? He's talking about the temple. When shall I come and appear before him in the temple? I look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in possession to the house of God. He's remembering when he used to get to go to the house of God. In verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He feels neglected by God. I, I think that he understands because verse 8 makes it clear that he knows God hasn't abandoned him, but he's talking about a felt nearness and presence, mainly because he's out of the temple. I think that God permits these seasons for us because it's normal that you guys will have those dry seasons. The mountains are like, everything's going so easy for me right now. And then those moments where like, where is God? It's, I don't really feel this whole thing going on. That's normal. C.S. Lewis, Lewis calls it the law of unindation. It's the cycle of dry and doing well. And God permits those dry seasons in order to teach us to fight for hope and joy in him. God did not make us robots to just be programmed to obey him. All right, yeah, we obey no matter what we're feeling. Obedience is a choice that we have to choose and sometimes fight to do. And nothing honors God more than when a saint who does not feel at all it just in the dumps, chooses to stand up and fight even against himself and his feelings to worship God. And this is what the psalmist is trying to do. So, what then is the cure for depression? How are we going to handle it when it comes? Well, because depression is a lack of joy resulting from a lack of hope, what you need is hope. You gain hope, you gain joy, depression defeated. That's what the psalmist learns here. He decides to battle depression by fighting for hope. Look at verse 5. He sums it all up here. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? In other words, why are you depressed, O my soul? Answer. Hope in God, that's what I need to do, soul, hoping God and all will be well. So, I hope you guys know that hope in God in the Bible does not refer to wishful thinking. It has actually a confident expectation. So to hope in God means that you are placing all of your confidence and all of your expectation in who he is and his goodness, even in the face of trouble and depression. So this psalmist knows in verse 4 that God is my exceeding joy. I'm sorry, it's 43 verse 4. God is my exceeding joy. So I'm placing my hope in God, that my joy is there. My confidence and expectation is coming from that. So how do we 
fight for hope in God. I'm going to have to blaze through these here. Number one, I'm going to give you guys four reasons that I find the psalmist practicing. How do you fight for hope in God? Number one, affirm God's covenantal love to yourself. Affirm his covenantal love. Look at verse eight. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. You see what he's writing? He's writing things like they're saying, where's my God? And he's saying himself in verse nine, why have you forsaken? Why have you forgotten me? But what he does is he affirms his covenantal love. By day, the Lord commands a steadfast love. Steadfast love in the Hebrew is the word chesed. And chesed is the word that's always used of God's covenantal love. The love when he talks about his covenant with his people. So this is love that does not go back. It does not contract. It's covenantal. So affirm God's covenantal love. Romans 5.5 5 says this. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. So affirm God's covenantal love, fight for hope. Number two, recall past experiences of God's past faithfulness. Verse four, this is what he's doing. He's recalling his past experiences and God's past faithfulness. These things I remember past as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He's, he's recalling those better times. In verse 6, it says, My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. That's what Jeremiah did when he was, when he was depressed. You guys ever read Lamentations? Such a depressing book. It's all about the slaughter of Jews when the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem. And Jeremiah says this, 3 verse 19. He's saying, remember God, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. You hear that language of depression? My soul is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. He's remembering and therefore I have hope. This is what he's calling to mind. The steadfast love, chesed love, of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So recalling past experiences in his faithfulness is a way to fight for hope. So today, we fortunately are blessed with the scriptures. Romans 15.4 says this, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope through the encouragement of the scriptures. So that's how you're going to remember past experiences through the scriptures. So, also, don't oversight the fact that verse 4 talks about congregational singing. Don't ever underestimate what God does here when we get together and sing and how it can lift your soul from discouragement. All right, how to fight for hope. Number three, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Verse 5 Notice what the psalmist does there. He's preaching to himself. 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Come on, you can do this. Get off the ground. (laughs) He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. This is exactly what Martin Lloyd-Jones said that Christians ought to do in his book called Spiritual Depression. He says this. I say that we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Do you realize what this means? I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Am I just trying to be deliberately paradoxical? No. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? For example, take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday and etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment, now he's talking about our psalm here. This man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Says, why are you cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. So what do you speak to yourself? Preach the gospel to yourself. I suppose the psalmist would have used verses such as had he had them. Romans 5, verse 2 through 8. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one who... For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. There's one way to re-encourage your hope. Or Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us, soul? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him also give us all things? Soul, listen. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Oh, my soul, God has not forgotten. His love is there singing over you every day. So preach to yourself. And finally, fight for joy by thirsting for God. Now, that does seem like a hard thing. Like, okay, I just don't feel like, I just feel like vegging. I just feel like blah. That's me when I'm depressed. I don't feel like reading my Bible or thirsting for God. That's the frankness of, of depression. But thirsting for God is utmost important in depression. Because depression brings this lack of feeling And when we're there, we want desperately to feel something. So I have found, and I have been um, 
supported by other great minds like C.S. Lewis, that in the midst of depression, we are most prone to tweak the pleasures of God for sinful ends because we just want to feel. So for young men, I have found that you must be extra careful against the temptations of pornography and depression. For some women, you need to guard against overeating in the midst of depression. And for general humanity, we need to guard against alcoholism in the midst of depression. It seems that in the times of depression, we become most susceptible to perverted pleasures. And that is what C.S. Lewis writes in the Screw Tape Letters. He says, The attack of Satan has a much better chance of success when the man's whole inner world is drab, cold, and empty. So later in that same chapter, the screw tape letters, if you don't know, they're two demons writing to each other about how to trip up this little Christian guy. This is what one demon says to the other. This is how you're going to trip him up. Make him misuse God's pleasures. This is how he tells him to do it. God made the pleasures. All our demonic, well, the demons, all our research thus far has not enabled us to produce even one pleasure. All we can do is encourage the humans to take pleasures which God has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. So it, at times uh, misuse them is what he's saying there. Hence, we always try to work away from the natural condition of any pleasure to that in which it is least natural and least reminiscent of its maker and least pleasurable. So he's saying the more you get someone to enjoy pleasures away from God, you you begin to get them to enjoy pleasures apart from God. It's going to be least pleasurable and the least like the maker who made them. And then he concludes, an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. So in depression, you must guard against that. The craving for pleasures that are actually just going to make you thirstier. So that's why the psalmist in verse 1 and 2 recognizes, verse 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So... Be careful for your fleshly splurgings in depression and rather fight for hope and thirst for God. Because God is, like 30, 43 verse 4 says, he is our true and exceeding joy. And that is going to be the answer when you lose hope and joy is to regain it by hoping in God and finding your joy in him. So Father, we ask that you would Strengthen your saints here, your downcast, to fight, to stand up and thirst for you and to fight for hope. God, you've given us every reason to hope in you. So turn our faith towards you again. And Lord, for those of us who are doing well, we pray that you will be utmost exalted in our joy in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.